Hey everyone, Juad here with Hit the Apex Podcast as always. Um, it's Friday after the Bahrain Grand Prix. Sorry that it is Friday and I didn't get this out um, on Thursday as normal. Was kind of under the weather yesterday, as you can probably tell by my voice. Um, I actually almost sounded like Darren Lockyer yesterday, so today is a bit of an improvement, but I'm going to have to take this one slowly. Um, just so I can get through it, bit of editing trickery to cut out the breaks and everything as well in between, so yeah, Bahrain, almost a week ago, what a race it was, <clears throat> as expected, well, as I sort of expected and predicted that we should see Ferrari make a bit of a comeback, I guess, um, which they did after they went missing in Melbourne, though... The win ultimately didn't eventuate for them, which was kind of disappointing, but they did everything right throughout the weekend. Lewis Hamilton went on to win the race, making it um, two from two for Mercedes so far. But the star of the weekend, and I'm sure everyone's heard all about this, was Charles Leclerc, who was fastest in two of the three practice sessions, fastest in qualifying, getting his first pole position and also leading most of the race until he had that um, cylinder failure it was in the end, or thought at the time it might have been MGUH that had failed, given the loss of horsepower, but yeah, it was a, a cylinder failure in the end on the Ferrari. He was beaten off the line, though, by Seb Vettel, starting on the front row of the grid, too, but I guess he was able to pick up the pace quite early, just didn't have his tyres up to temperature for the start, but um, ended up getting back into the lead of the race and then led up until the 49th lap um, when that failure occurred. He slowed down. Hamilton was not too far, I guess 25 seconds or something. He was behind and then suddenly that advantage just came down and Hamilton was able to pass, so did Bottas, but late safety car, I guess, was the saving grace for Leclerc, um, both the Renaults ended up conking out on the, near the end of the race at the same corner, um, surprisingly for two different reasons, so that's why they had the safety car out late, um, but yeah, Leclerc was just on the radio, didn't sound overly panicked, which was, I guess, a testament to his, um, to his maturity at that age, 21, and also driving for Ferrari too, he didn't get flustered by it, he managed to drive around the situation and ultimately ended up with a podium, which was really good, um, his first podium in F1, and I guess it earns him a lot of plaudits as well from his rivals, all class as well from him after the race to, to remain composed and everything, and you know, Lewis Hamilton with some kind words on the radio after the race, and pretty much everyone consoling um, Leclerc after that because the way he drove all weekend you would have definitely picked him to to win that race and yeah to have it taken away like that I guess I guess that's just racing in the end it's motorsport but his day will come soon you'd think perhaps next time out in China in a week's time um, that would be quite something for the thousandth grand prix which will be um at china next week but um anyway throughout the rest of the race i guess hamilton 
winning the race in the end, but he's still a point behind Bottas in the championship because Bottas had the, the fastest lap in Melbourne for that extra point. Mercedes won two again this time out. So really, you know, Ferrari just handed the win over to Mercedes. They pretty much owned the entire weekend and Sebastian Vettel ended up in damage limitation mode, um, spinning at turn two through no fault of anyone else except for himself. He spun like he did so many times last year when he was fighting, you know, this time again it was with Lewis Hamilton we saw that happen in Monza last year, then in Japan I think he spun when he was trying to fight with Max Verstappen there at Spoon Corner, but yeah, Vettel ending up in a bit of trouble again, not on the podium, he hasn't been on the podium so far this season and finished fifth again for the second race in a row, so not the start to the season that Vettel would have wanted, particularly given that Ferrari had the the better package this weekend and a Ferrari 1-2 could have been possible, but um, I guess in the end it's going to be questioned whether Vettel's, you know, what his mindset is and his confidence as well, how come he keeps losing out in situations like this, spinning out or whatever when he's in close proximity um, to another car, like we haven't seen, seen this until last year really from Seb who's a four-time world champion of course and he's um, won many Grand Prix but yeah, it just seems at the moment when it comes to racing against another high-profile competitor, he is ending up in the same situation. So, disappointing weekend for Vettel, considering a podium could have been on the cards, or even a win if um, he was still up there when Leclerc had his um, problems. And given that Seb had won the previous two times out in Bahrain, um, a bit disappointing for him to finish the way he did in the weekend um, and Max Verstappen I guess ended up finishing fourth ahead of Vettel um, Verstappen clearly unhappy with the way that Red Bull performed over the weekend lack of balance in the chassis, something like that so they'll be looking for more, um, more of that when they go to China next time and of course China is where Red Bull won last year with Daniel Ricciardo, so um, good memories for them. And given that they've got the long straights in China and they did la did all right last year with the Renault engine, you know, who's to say that with the Honda engine they're not going to be in contention? So it'll be good to see for those guys. But still a solid fourth for Verstappen, keeps him third in the championship so far. I guess talking championship at the moment is quite, quite fickle or maybe unnecessary given that it's only two races in and we've not really had two representative races of the order. I said that last week that Bahrain will definitely be a better representation than Melbourne but given that the race was at night and also very windy as well the conditions are going to be different to where they go next you know to China and then Baku of course and Barcelona heading back to the testing track from pre-season so that pretty much covers the front I guess it really was all about Leclerc and how his race pretty much just unfolded the way it did unfortunately um, but 
in the midfield we had a really good battle once again which you know race in race out it just seems to be it just seems to be um getting better and better and this time we had another star of the future i guess Uh, (coughs) another star of the future in lando norris um I was really impressed, as was pretty much everyone else, with his performance in Melbourne, um, with qualifying making it to Q3, but unfortunately in the race he was unable to score points, but then this time out he was best of the rest, finished sixth, he pretty much fought Kimi Raikkonen for the entire race, the youngest driver on the grid versus the oldest driver on the grid, um, a former world champion as well. So to score his first F1 points this weekend, and speaking of Kimi, I kind of sound like Kimi now, just slow and monotonous. I'm sorry if that's how this podcast is going to sound, but hopefully next week I'll be back to to full fitness. Um, yeah, just the change in weather, I guess. Um, yeah, so battling Kimi throughout the whole race, holding his own, and good to see McLaren looking very competitive at the start of the year too. I guess last year they were in a similar position, but then their development just went downhill, so it'd be good to see them this year try to sustain that, Um, especially, you know, getting to Barcelona, getting those big upgrades, and seeing if it actually goes the right way instead of the wrong way, but Norris again, qualifying top 10, finishing 6th, great result for him, um, unfortunately for his teammate Carlos Sainz, not the case, um, after he qualified in the top 10 as well this time, um, ended up having another DNF unfortunately, he was quite competitive early on in the race, he ended up making contact with Max Verstappen, um, which put him down the order, had to repair the front wing, but then ultimately I think it was a reliability issue on the Renault engine that cost um, science the finish of the race, and I guess that whole idea comes back about, you know, don't try to race Max Verstappen, because it's just not going to work out, especially if you're a, a midfield car or something, and I think, you know, some people agree with that others will disagree i personally think that it's a load of tripe um he's there to be overtaken and verstappen i guess he's just that kind of racer who thinks he's entitled to the whole track and you know not giving any quarter yeah that's fine but you know don't just do something that you shouldn't or whatever and i guess the stewards <clears throat> probably didn't in look into it um they probably should have looked into it a bit more than they did they just dismissed it as a racing incident there was some social media conversation about whether if it was another driver if it was like Roman Grosjean for example they would have jumped on board with a penalty straight away so it's just yeah you know a bit unfortunate there for because it did ruin Sainz's race after all, and whether he could have finished in the points is, you know, in hindsight, you've got to ask, but given the way that they've started the year, McLaren, if it's only going to be better than that, then um, 
there's going to be plenty of opportunities for sides to score, so we're not going to really miss out from here. Um, behind them, I guess, uh, behind uh, Kimi and Lando, or Lando and Kimi in that order, we had first career points also for Alexander Albon, finishing ninth. Um, underrated, I guess, is the word you can use to describe Albon throughout the preseason and also the first couple of races. I mean, I know he had some moments in testing and also in Melbourne where a lot of people said he looked like a bit of an amateur, but given that this is the first time really he's actually jumped in a modern F1 car, you know, in testing and whatnot, then, you know, it's understandable that he's still getting to grips with it. But, you know, getting points was good. Um, he battled with Pierre Gasly for most of the race, the Toro Rosso and the the Red Bull again fighting each other, and Gasly finished up ahead in eighth, so scoring his first points for his new team this year. But yeah, you know, Albon, I think we're going to see good things from Albon this year, even though there's not going to be a lot of attention on him. Um, and I guess the story about Albon, given that he didn't even have a drive for Formula 2 last year and then was on sort of a race-by-race race thing and then signed this contract um, with, I think, it was the Team Dams or whatever that he was driving with, who the owner also owns the Nissan Formula E team. And in signing for Dams last year, Albon ended up having signed on to do the Formula E season for Nissan this year, but then um, Toro Rosso come, came calling basically because Dan Tickton <laughs> was unavailable given the fact that he hasn't scored enough points on his super license that we talked about a lot last year. So, yeah, they pretty much got Albon in for that reason. Um, and then I guess Danny Kafiat as well being another recycled Red Bull reject driver. I hate using that word, but, you know... That's basically what the Red Bull system has done to these guys. And yeah, Albon was previously a Red Bull driver, but because of <coughs> personal, you know, family-related issues, I guess he was taken out of that system. But now he's back in there, I guess. So hopefully he makes the most of this opportunity. If in the Toro Rosso car, whether he goes any further than this um, remains to be seen. So hopefully some good performances from Albon this year. Perez scored the final point for Racing Point. Um, Lance Stroll just not having a good race at all after Melbourne where he was in the points. Um, then Haas basically were nowhere this time out. Qualifying was good for, for Kevin Magnussen and, and Roman Grosjean, but yeah, during the race we saw nothing from Magnussen. He was just nowhere, not even in the points in the end. Grosjean and Stroll had a crash early on in the race, which pretty much ruined both of their um, Bahrain Grand Prix. So that's why they weren't in the points or anywhere near. Grosjean actually retired again. So two races in a row for him out joining Science and also um, Daniel Ricciardo, who I guess, again, just a terrible race for Ricciardo. At least he got towards the end of it rather than being out at the start. Not that that's any consolation but yeah the one-stop strategy that they put him on was just the wrong strategy altogether and then I think his electronics cut out towards the end of the race 
Nico Hulkenberg had a power unit related problem, so both Renaults a disastrous weekend for them. And given the extra attention on them this year with Ricardo and the team, and also the expectation for them to to get closer to the top three teams, given their manufacturer status, is um, yeah, you know, you wouldn't actually say that about them at this stage but you know you'd hope that this is the turning point and we can see some improvement from them in China so yeah Bahrain was the weekend that I guess we needed um, but probably not the outcome that everyone would have liked but given what we saw from Leclerc I think this year is going to be very very tight and who knows Ferrari may get behind Leclerc as the championship contender what kind of pressure does this put on Vettel we're gonna only see over the coming races but yeah you know this guy Leclerc is gonna win races this year and you know not that I put money on anything but I reckon it could be next time out in China so we'll just have to wait and see um, we had testing after Bahrain as well, um, two-day test for Pirelli tyres and also to give some rookies some opportunities to get some extra laps. So we had some uh, Formula 2 runners, uh, the guys who actually won races over the weekend, um, the opening two of the Formula 2 championship, Nicholas Latifi, of course, in affiliation with Williams as their reserve driver and Luca Giotto as well. So Giotto winning the Sunday race and Latifi winning the the feature race on the Saturday. Um, a lot of attention around Mick Schumacher as well, of course. He made his debut for Prema in the Formula 2 Championship. Second fastest on the first day f in the Ferrari, which was impressive and really turned a lot of heads. And then also testing for Alpha to the second day was sixth fastest and cut a lot of laps which was good so it was actually Max Verstappen topping day one for Red Bull and George Russell getting into the Mercedes which would have been um, a pretty good experience for him given the Williams that he's driving at the moment is yeah I mean at the moment he's just going to be focusing on beating his teammate Robert Kubitzer which he has done hands down no problem whatsoever so far in the first two races but uh yeah Russell getting in the Mercedes and getting a taste of what the race winning car of this season has been like so far um but yeah Mick Schumacher his debut weekend he was eighth and sixth in both the races so he actually started on reverse grid pole um for the sprint race on Saturday but sort of minded his own business throughout the weekend didn't really cause a lot of trouble scored points in both races so you know he's just gonna sort of find his feet and come to this slowly I mean there's a lot of people who have will be jumping on the band Schumacher bandwagon and saying that you know he's got to get into F1 soon or like next year or something and then there's already you know Italian press I guess who are the best <laughs> <laughs> I say that with a glass half empty or a lot of sarcasm in my voice, not that you can tell anyway, um, that Sebastian Vettel is finished basically given that Leclerc pretty much wiped the floor with him this weekend and the next driver to come over to Ferrari is going to be Mick Schumacher. So 
but it's important that we don't rush Schumacher, given the attention that's around him, the famous name, of course, of his father, winning five championships for Ferrari, but, you know, I've said all along um, on this podcast and just in general conversation that we shouldn't expect Schumacher in Formula One anywhere before, um, anywhere near before 2021. Give him two years at least in Formula Two. Um, he, we, we don't know, this is the first weekend to see whether he'll actually be a contender. He could win races this year, might not be a championship contender, but next year will be his year to, to fight for the championship. And if he does that, and wins the championship or even finishes runner-up, then that'll be convincing enough for him to move into F1. And then with F1, Alfa Romeo, that's probably the probably the logical place for him to go straight uh, first up. Then who knows if the Ferrari seat's available, go to Ferrari. So I guess that's you know while we will. Or we will be talking about Schumacher this year, I guess, throughout the season on this podcast. I don't really want to get carried away with saying, oh, you know, get him into F1 straight away. I mean, he's an exciting young driver, but there are other exciting drivers too at the moment. And we just shouldn't get carried away by the surname, even though the nostalgia aspect is there. But yeah, there's quite a few exciting drivers to look at in F2 this year and you know Latifi I guess is it's his opportunity this year given that he's been sort of there or thereabouts the last few years he's got that pay driver tag over him as well and a good year for him this year will be um, quite um, quite crucial and yeah you know good to see him testing the Williams Dan Tickton in for Red Bull, Jack Aitken in the Renault, who's also in F2, and young Pietro Fittipaldi as well, um, who's been testing for Haas, um, as he did in the pre-season, so good to see those guys getting an opportunity, Um, so yeah, it'll be an interesting year, Formula 2, and while we're on the subject of Formula 2 as well, (coughs) good to see, or it's not actually been made official yet, we had the first teaser trailer for F1 2019, um, the new game coming out this year and coming out at an earlier date as well, which will be really good. Um, it's coming out in June instead of its usual August, September release date that it's been the last few years or pretty much since since they started, Codemaster started doing this. So um, the reason I mention F2 is because in the trailer we saw what was believed to be a silhouette of an F2 car so perhaps we're going to finally get that career progression that all the career mode fanatics have been wanting in in a Formula 1 game start off in F2 and then make your way into Formula 1 or maybe just skip it and go into Formula 1 straight away We've also got the confirmation that there's going to be livery customization as well. Um, so yeah, a lot of new features by the looks of it, um, which will be interesting to see when they reveal more about it. Like I personally would like to see um, car the car livery customization. You know, I can take it or leave it sort of thing. It's not a big deal for me. I would rather prefer 
customizing helmets you know getting your own designs onto helmets given that you know if you're going to be playing career mode and driving for one of the t the 10 teams on the grid you want to customize your driver and make it make him or her as unique as possible and then that way you know helmet is a big part of it as well as um, the appearance too which you would like which would be good to see um, you be able to do is to customize fully customize the appearance of your driver like you, you're doing games like 2k NBA FIFA and and the like so you know that's I don't know if they're going to do that this year but it will be great to see but quickly to wrap up the testing I guess so we also had Fernando Alonso appear for McLaren for the first time as well and you know of course the question had to be asked whether the improvements on the McLaren this year which he actually hailed he said you know the package is a lot better than it was last year but the question was asked whether it would tempt him back into Formula One to which he said you know not of course not so you know I guess people don't want to rule it out for the future but it seems that given his commitment to other categories this year and potentially next year we might not see him want to do that so yeah given that um, we have him still doing the WEC a couple of races to go for this year before the the conclusion at Le Mans, um, Indy 500, of course, the preparation for that. He did Daytona this year. He um, did some Dakar testing as well. So, yeah, it's it's clearly a lot, which, um, you know, let's get back into F1 is probably not the best thing for Alonso, given, you know, I mean, if it's just going to be in the midfield, it's not worth it he wants to if he'd have to get back into it it'd have to be in a race winning car and potentially fighting for a championship which you know everyone knows that he's missed out a car on a couple <coughs> that he shouldn't have in the first place so let's keep it moving on anyway um that's enough for f1 um i did want to talk a bit of footy at the end of this but i don't think i'm going to be able to yeah just struggling at the moment but Supercars is on this weekend, um, the third round of the championship, Tasmania, and the first round, I guess, after those um, changes were made from the findings of that centre of gravity test that they had, so we've had some additional details come out about that, so the numbers are as reads, I guess, with the Ford Mustang having an extra 28 kilos of ballast added to the roof so they've got just lead dingoes pylons whatever you want to call them which have been added as ballast to the roof of the car inside the cockpit whilst the Holden Commodore as well we said you know they had to make changes to that too so they've had an additional 6.7 kilos added to the roof of their car um the whole parity debate continues and as I said last week we probably won't get a good look at what the order looks like after this until Phillip Island which is actually just next weekend so back-to-back -back rounds for supercars over the next couple of weeks but Tassie is still a, is a great little event you know the short circuit 
there. Sees a condensed order during qualifying, probably a second or less than a second covers the covers the entire field. They have the the knockout format again for this race this weekend, but also they're going to be introducing and trialing a Park Ferme style regulation, which will be introduced post qualifying. So like they do in Formula One and whatnot, the teams cannot actually alter setups post-qualifying and do all that sort of stuff that they normally do in supercars so whether that'll catch anybody out will be interesting to see no changes on the cars in between sessions or whatever so after qualifying heading into the race that whatever you've got in the car is locked in and that's that's about it so whether that's going to see any change will be interesting to see um, but as I said last week with Tasmania, it's 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 always been a triple eight um, romping ground. I guess the they've been the dominant force. Craig Lowndes was, you know, always he always won a race here no matter what. Um, and Jamie Wincup at the moment twelve wins I think it is at this circuit. Most of any of the current drivers on the grid. So you know expect them to be quite strong of course, but. At the same time, you know, we can't read into whether Triple Eight's form here is as a result of the centre of gravity changes. That will definitely, you'll see that at Phillip Island. But if DGR Team Penske are strong here, it will be a bold statement. So even though they've had this uh, extra ballast added to their car and whatnot, and they've perceivably had their advantage taken away from them, um, then if they're strong here this weekend, then that'll be a bold statement because it just means that they've naturally got a better car. And Triple Eight, we've talked about, and I mentioned it last week as well, that they've been hurt this year, not just because the Mustang's a better car, but because of the switch to the Linging Springs as well. So they were the team that probably took advantage of the twin spring system and they mastered it for their Commodores but this year without that they've they've been hurt a little bit by that so and I'm yawning as well well it, it is nine o'clock I guess quite late um to be recording this the only time I could I could pull myself around to do it anyway um back to it so given that they've been hurt by the switch to the linear springs as well and the fact that you know they've had the mustang romping away if they have a strong weekend you know that'll be good for them but if penske or tickford do um despite the fact that they've had that extra ballast added to their car then you know that's just a they've just done the better job and i guess the underlying underlying message from all this has been yeah you know parity is great you know it's what makes supercars one of the most closest categories in the world but when supercars sounded uh, signed off on the regulations last year sorry signed off on the mustang last year and homologated it they tested it against all the other cars how come they didn't see this back then and why is it now an issue you know yeah obviously we've seen them in race trim and everything but surely this sort of thing could have been picked up earlier and you know once a car's been homologated for a new season it shouldn't then have to 
be adjusted again you know that's just that just seems unfair given that Ford and all the Ford parties have done a job in a really good job in engineering this car within the regulations and you know you might some people might think I'm just a disgruntled Ford fan talking about this not at all I'm just a fan of whoever can engineer the best car and in this instance it was Ford with the Mustang but obviously there were people unhappy about it and how parity is good and everything but what is the message that we're sending to other manufacturers looking to get into the sport are we gonna just if they come into the sport fresh um make a car that ends up being the best on the field do we then go and take away the their advantage like as long as it's not outside of the regulations which in ford's instance the mustang wasn't it was actually all done within the regulations the initial homologation tests signed off on this when they tested this car against the Nissan Altima and the ZB Commodore. But in the end, they ended up having to change it anyway. So whether this has a big bearing on the championship, we're not going to see yet. As I said, Phillip Island, probably the place where we might get a representative order, given that it's the testing track for them this year too. But yeah, I just think that if any of the four teams can come out this weekend and win at least one of the races if not both it'll be a um, emphatic statement that they've made that even with that 28 kilos the extra ballast or whatever they're still going to be a formidable force to deal with so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out this weekend also the additional drivers as well the co-drivers ended up having their first practice session of the year too, um, a dedicated session for them. So we got to see the likes of Craig Lowndes back in the car, obviously in Red Bull colours, being paired up with Jamie Wincup this year. Garth Tander, who ended up after being sacked from GRM at the start of this year, found a home quickly at um, at Triple uh, Eight as well. He's going to partner Shane Van Gisbergen. Um, Tony Dalberto, of course, in the um, Shell V Power cars. Unfortunately, um, we didn't get to um, see Alex Premer because he never usually, given his commitments in the US, that never usually comes over for these um, extra um, test sessions or practice sessions or whatever. But um, yeah, good to see those co drivers in the car and quite a few big names as co-drivers this year you know we saw James Moffat of course end up with Chas Mostert last year um Stephen Richards back with Mark Winterbottom this year in the um the Team 18 Commodore Michael Caruso of course out of a drive um at the end of last year is on the co-driver grid this year with Cameron Waters at Tickford and yeah Greg Murphy even jumped in the car and drove with uh, Macaulay Jones in the in the Brad Jones racing car so that was interesting to see um old Murph jump in the car so and at the end of the day it was um Scott Pye and Warren Luff that um well Warren Luff sorry that topped that session in the um Walkinshaw Andretti United Commodore and Garth Tanner not too far behind so enduro season again probably best part of the supercars year can't wait for that when it rolls out and this year of course 
um, with Bathurst as the first race with that revised enduro um, calendar, Bathurst, Gold Coast, and then Sandown. So how key is going to be, ex- is having experience going to be when, you know, you get head to the biggest race of the season first up on the enduro round. So that's going to be really tough for those guys. Um, MotoGP last weekend as well in Argentina. Uh, Mark Marquez, dominant victory. Good to see Valentino Rossi back on the podium. It's been pretty tough, and I guess his first podium since sometime last year even. I don't remember when he was last on the podium, but hopefully they've turned a leaf on his side of the garage in at Yamaha. And I guess, I guess I can talk about footy just quickly. Um, bit of NRL, bit of AFL as well before we wrap things up. Now, uh, it seems right at the end that my voice is getting a bit better and I'm not having to stop a lot. So, yeah, you know, this would have been better about 36, 37 minutes ago. But anyway, let's get into it. So, rugby league, I guess, no surprise or maybe a bit of surprise depending on where you're coming from seeing Melbourne Storm at the top of the top of the ladder three three nil not defeated I guess um at this stage South Sydney the only other team that's not um been defeated so far this season the Roosters sitting second as a result of their win last night even though they've played an extra game their win last night against um Brisbane, the Broncos, um, they've had a bit of a up-and-down start. North Queensland, of course, my team, sitting um, one and two at the moment. They play Canberra this weekend at home, so you'll be hoping, or I'll be hoping, that they end up with the win, sort of Warriors, before get over the Gold Coast Titans, who are the only team that um, are yet to win this year. Uh, zip and four they are. Even the Bulldogs, who who everyone said would claim the wooden spoon this year. They won a game. They won last week against the West Tigers, which was quite good for them. Great performance from Kieran Foran, who's injured himself again. No surprise, always seems to be injured, which is which is quite sad. And then, I guess, over on the AFL side of things, um, yeah, a lot of intrigue and surprise with the way that they've turned their ladders looking. So Geelong, they've played three games now of having beaten the Crows last night, three and three zip for them, um, Brisbane two and zip, you know, going into round three, I mean, Brisbane, they were nowhere last year and now suddenly, well, they knocked off West Coast in the first round, which was, you know, the reigning premiers, Port Adelaide with their young side, which, you know, I've got a lot of their players in my, in my fantasy team, at the moment, um, good. They're up in third. The Bulldogs and even St Kilda two and zip. So, look at that. Um, St Kilda, Brisbane, two teams that people would might have predicted to be on the bottom are actually in the top five. While we've got then Frio, Collingwood, and GWS, Richmond unfortunately struck by injuries already this season. Which you know, losing Alex Rance for the whole year is gonna hurt them. And then Jack Rewalt, who knows how long he'll be out for. Um, shockers for North Melbourne and for Essendon. Essendon, I guess, the big shock, given that they were tipped to potentially finish in the top four this year. But they've just looked rudderless in the first two games. I, I haven't even watched any of their games yet. But just from what I've seen, all the commentary, all the feedback, it's just been pretty dismal. So, you know... 
I don't expect much from their players that I've got in my fantasy team um, to to be delivering. Who have I got? I'm just checking now. I've got McGrath and Devin Smith. So you know they've they've done okay in the first two rounds, but you know I really need them to to pick it up and. Um, We'll see how we go there. But, yeah, it's been quite interesting. And, you know, of course, slowly I've always kept one eye on the competition. But now I feel confident enough to talk about it a little bit, even though I might not be as as knowledgeable as some out there. But, you know, the whole AFL thing just kind of purely from a non-biased point of view, I want to do well in my fantasy league I lost by not many points last week so you could have imagined how livid I was rocking up Monday morning no sleep whatsoever from the night before with the Grand Prix and also MotoGP as well and then realizing that I'd lost my fantasy round by not much points so hopefully this week it goes a lot better same with the NRL Supercoach too But anyway, that's all I have time for today. Um, I'm glad I was able to get through this and hopefully next week I'll be a lot better um, and can actually do this without taking as many breaks and also previewing the thousandth Grand Prix as well for China. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and yeah, you can listen to this podcast on Spotify and iTunes. So thanks. Hope you all have a good weekend and um, I'll be in touch next week. Ciao.